Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. You guys can sit down and stuff. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, because it's kind of funny, <laughs> me speaking, it's like really funny to me because, you know, we see Brother Churchill and I got my awesome pastor and last night, Brother Parrish, he tore it up. But you got, <laughs> you got these awesome, we're going to have some prayer, you know, and all this great big man I got, and this morning, the that guy in the morning, all he had to do was say some transubstantiation, and everybody's going buck wild in the spirit, but then there's me, hi, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm Stacey, <laughs> I don't even have any scriptures in my message today, so, it's just a bunch of practical how-tos about winning souls from my experience. Um, so some of the day I'll share scriptures with you. <laughs> but uh, I'm here to tell you what I've accomplished and how did I do it. So I hope you got your notebooks. And if you don't, you can get the tape and review. But the first thing that is extremely important that you need to win souls, this is so serious, you need the awesome District Yukon boss. Awesome Alaska district. Brother Parrish, you need him. So he's awesome. I love that guy. And then you need the coolest pastor in the world, my pastor, Brother Blackshear, because he's just the best pastor in the world. I really feel that. And then you need to marry a really good-looking, wonderful husband. If you have not done that, go out right now and get yourself one. Because that's what I did, and he makes my life so much better. But no, I'm serious. Okay, but no, really. No, I'm just kidding. Really. But no, my husband's really phenomenal, and I love him, and I respect um, them letting me have the privilege to do this. These are just some strategies and some principles for everybody. This is everybody. Say, everybody. everybody. You do not have to be intimidated Anybody can win a soul. You can win a soul. You just have to have the want to. New converts in our group, they win souls. They don't even got the Holy Ghost, but they're all winning souls. If you have the Holy Ghost today, you should be winning some souls. If you don't have the Holy Ghost... You should still be winning some souls. I go to Life Church, picture, in Anchorage. Notice the bouncy house. All right, there's a handful of people that helped uh, that helped me, and um, and we in seven years we are what we are now, and we run about a, in the first year we are starting to do bus ministry. Next route, picture. The first year, we had 35 people average. We brought 600 visitors in one year and a half. And that was just me. It was just me. I just went out there and got on a bus, and <laughs> my pastor gave me keys, and I just went out and went buck wild on the city of Anchorage. I didn't even have any helpers. I just went out there with keys, and I was like, oh, I should probably have somebody with me. What am I doing? And we, then we had 35 average, and now we bring about 100 people average, and we run about four routes without canceling. So. And the next picture. 
we've brought over 4,000 first-time visitors in seven years. And <laughs> 150 of them are Holy Spirit-filled. And over 250 of them have been baptized. Next picture. And then the next picture. <laughs> we grew out of the morning service. <laughs> we don't fit anymore. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So pastor said, like, if I could bring, he challenged me, he said if we could bring, you know, over 200 people, or I think it was 200 people in for Easter two years ago, then we could start having our own service. I was like, yeah. Yes, because I want to preach to the kids how they need to be preached, like some kid stuff to the kids, right? Is that okay? Am I out of bounds? Okay. <laughs> I'm really scared preaching in front of him. He's the best preacher in the world, so it's really intimidating. But um, the, there's about six families that come on their own, and there's young adults, and there's parents that come, and, and that guy preaching right there, that's Gage. He's 17 years old preaching to my crowd. <laughs> so we're kind of like, we're kind of like a little church within a church. And God gave me the opportunity to run for revivals. Next picture. Um, my pastor said, okay. And I said, yahoo, <laughs> get them. So we went crazy. And last Christmas we had 1,077 people in one whole day. Just one day. <laughs> and in the near future... I'm hoping that, you know, I could help keep helping you guys plant those buses. There's five buses going out, and I hope I can help, you know, put some legs under what you guys are doing and give you some tools so you guys can just go rock your cities. And that's what I've done. And um, I really, everybody's like, oh, you're so great. Oh, look what you did. But I really, I really feel like that pales in comparison to what should be done. And that's why I have trouble with it because there's so many souls burning and dying and heartbroken and just need a touch from God and they're just sitting in a trailer in a meth house somewhere or they're in a crack flop house somewhere and they need Jesus It should look like this all the time. And the next picture, I'm coming to you from a little church perspective, though, because that was a really awesome picture, last one, but that's not how it's always looked, okay? And like I said, the first year, I just took the keys and just went out and just went crazy. And I didn't even have anybody helping. Like, I, it was because of my, you know, failure to recruit. But I just, I went out and I just got people. So the first year, I only had, like, one helper. It was a teenager. And this right here, this young lady... This well-seasoned Pentecostal, that's Lashana. She's, she's been with me since she's 14. She came on the bus, and she noticed I'm just dying on Friday Night Youth. And she said, can I help you? I said, yes. Because I was like, she didn't even have the Holy, well, she had the Holy Ghost, but she wasn't baptized yet. She didn't dress modest yet. I didn't care. I needed help. So I just put her to work. And most of the people within our ministry, there's 30 now. We're running 100, but there's only 30 now. 
that are like pretty solid and most of them are young people or they're just won over through the ministry itself. I've got ex-convicts, I've got ex-alcoholics, I've got cigarette smokers on my team. I've got people with problems. I use people. So I, I'm not coming to you from some like high and lofty, you know, place where you can't reach. I'm telling you, if I could do this, you could do this. So, yeah, <laughs> and uh, I really feel that it's okay for me to share this with you because it really could work for anybody. It really could work for anybody. If I could do it, then I know you could do it. I know you could do it. Some people, they build their churches off of Sunday school. They build their churches off of Bible studies. They build their churches off of all kinds of things. We just happen to start building up a huge growth area, and you could take the picture down we just started happen to building a big growth area out of bus ministry. It just happened to be the avenue. It doesn't matter what vehicle you take. Just get out there and do what you can do for God. <laughs> Young people, you could win souls. New convert, you can win souls. Don't let your pastor keep doing all the work. You can do it, and I really believe that God wants us to do it in as biggest capacity that we possibly can, whether it's a mass outpouring or a handful of an outpouring. God wants you to keep pushing for as many souls as you could possibly get into heaven. We don't have no more time to waste. You know, somebody, your best friend might go walk out of the doorway and crack their head open and die right on the spot. They need Jesus, and we need to get them saved. So, next picture. Baptism and Holy Spirit success. We have a lot of baptisms and Holy Spirit fillings. We have it almost every single service. We have it in multiples. Now, we've done it so much that I've, I've, I've heard the comments. You know, you're pushing for numbers and blah, blah, blah. But that's not what it is. So, I'm going to give you the how-to. So, get your pens ready. That's not what I'm doing. What I was doing is I was being specific about the direction. We teach people about baptism, like all the rest of you guys, and I'll phone call them and coach them and counsel, and so does people in our group. And then I'm respectful of their time, and I plan for them to be baptized. I specifically will over the pulpit, I don't say, you could get saved today. I don't just say it like that. I say, if you want the Holy Ghost, stand up front and show me both your hands so I know which one you are when the crowd comes in behind you. I'm very specific in my commands with them. I say, if you want to be baptized, you need to see my husband, Justin Sprague, so he can get you started on the process. If I just say, you can get baptized today, they're not going to know where to go. They're not going to know what to do. They're not going to know how to do it. So I tell them who to go to. And then my husband's already trained of what's supposed to be done. And then the, the ladies in the back, they're already trained of what to do with somebody that needs to be baptized. I don't just let them go roam around in the back by the tank and do whatever they do. So they're trained. And then we have a baptizing minister, <coughs> Josiah. He'll baptize them. <laughs> but it's very planned. 
I don't just say, oh, there's nothing happening today. I'm trying to make it work. That's why I'm very clear and I train and that kind of, is that okay? All right. <laughs> I feel bad for saying that, but that's just what we do. It's not anything magical. The Holy Spirit doesn't show up like a dove and just touch people. We are just very kind of mechanical, really, about it. So uh, <laughs> that's why I say you could do it too. Uh, but um, you got to tell them what you want them to do or you ain't going to get what you don't tell them to do. You got to tell them what to do. Next picture. Holy Spirit instructions. So, and that's a baptism. Um, you got to be very clear. Next picture. Over the pulpit, we always have some Acts 2.38. So I always make sure that's in every single message. Every single message, there's some Acts 2.38. We let people know what is the Holy Spirit. For identification purposes, everybody thinks the Holy Spirit is, you know, whatever. So we tell them it's speaking in tongues. It is speaking in tongues. And unless you speak in tongues, you don't got it yet. That's what we tell them. Unless communication happens, you're not going to get it. And when they're actually praying, we tell them what to do. We say you need to lift your hands. You need to lift your voice. You need to lift your heart. You need to do something. But you can't just sit there and just be like, I'm getting it. No, it doesn't work. Well, it could, I guess, but it doesn't usually in our group, so I'm telling you how what I did. Another reason why we get so many sinners baptized and Holy Spirit-filled is because we have sinners. <laughs> you need some sinners in your church. It's my candy stick. I don't really like going to a service where everybody's saved. I'm sorry, I don't like it. I want to see some action. I want to see some altar call. I want to see some baptisms. And you can take that down. The cycle that works for me. All right, so you want to know, well, how do, what's your cycle? What's your trick? What's your juicy secret? All right, the contact card is number one. The visit is number two. And then three, get them to church. We verify their info upon their visit. I call them on Saturdays to invite them to church. We offer them a ride. Even before bus ministry ever happened, I always offered my friends ride. You want to come? Because I knew that if I could get up to their door and I could say, get in my car, it's a lot less intimidating than say, drive on your own across town and try to make it through those doors and then try to squeeze in a seat where nobody notices you. I just go right to their door. Hey, come on out. Get in my car and walk in the church with them because that takes away all the intimidation factor. That's what's worked for me. You could do that. How many of you have cars? Raise your hand. Ministers all over the place. See, there you go. If you have a car, you have a ministry. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I just happen to, you know, like the big fat car that brings lots of people. So bring church. Uh, then we bring them to church, and you have really good church, and then you repeat the process. So contact cards. I'm going to dig into the contact cards. Contact cards. Oh, that's easy. The visitor comes in. And you have your name, address, phone number, and email, right? It's not that easy. Because I can't tell you how many times I go to churches. 
And if I went to your church, don't feel like I'm picking on you and don't feel like I'm picking on yours. Because I'm not picking on anybody's church. I've been in a bunch of different churches. And you go in and nobody is getting their contact information. I've gone to churches and just going in, just chill in the back and leave and nothing happens. And uh, they don't got my information. How could they ever tell me what's going on in their church? How could they ever include me in their body if they don't? You know, no. So you got to get the contact because a lost contact is a lost soul. I'm going to make you guys say that so I know that you've got it because it's really important. A lost contact is a? All right. We have that little shout out in our group. I say a lost contact is a? And they always do that. So thank you. (laughs) Without that information, you can't hunt them down and get them. If they drop out of church, you don't know how to get them back. Now, the Holy Spirit could bring them in again, but most likely he wants you to use your legs and go find them. So, (laughs) you have to be kind of like a detective. In our group, when we ask, can I have your information, we're asking awkward teenagers. And they're terrified. Oh, no, you're a creeper. You're going to find me. So they don't want to. It is hard to get them. But you got to ease them. Hi. Oh, it's so lovely to see you. Oh, trust me. This this contact card is safe with me. It will be protected. It's confidential. We're not going to let weirdos have it. And it it really is okay to give me your information. If you do, I'll give you some candy. You know, I got (laughs) to. So I just, that's what I do. I really harass them so hard until I get it, and I get every one of them. Josiah would tell you, Zach would tell you, if I don't have that contact card, I'm going to be coming after somebody because I'm like, why didn't you get that kid's contact card? Why don't you get that parent? What was that parent's name? Why don't you know the parent's name? I want to know who's coming to church so I can go back out and I can get them again. It really is, uh, it really is, the contact card is the key. It's the key, it's the key, and you work that contact card. It's the thick and juicy stuff. It's, you say, oh, it's so easy, but really, the contact card gets messed up the most, or it's sitting on a secretary's desk in a box, or it's sitting in a back room somewhere in a file, and nobody's working the contact. You've got to work the contact. So it's vital to your success. The contact is key. Visits. Visits I do are not for people that come, that are the strange. I I do the visits for the brand new people. If they're brand new, I visit their door. The phone calls I do for the returns, for the people I've already met face-to-face. I meet them face-to-face. They like that because as soon as I meet them, they trust me. They've seen my face, so that must mean I'm a good person, right? But... (laughs) If somebody meets you face-to-face, it breaks down all the barriers. So the visit is for the person that is brand new. So I go to their door. I bring them a gift, and then I get them to come to church again. Phone calls. The phone calls, I do 150 a week. That's for my returns. I do not have a lot of time on my hands. So I pull out my list, name, address, phone number, and I call the phone numbers. Hey, you came to the church. This is what we're doing. Would you like to come back again? And they say yes, no, or maybe. If they say no, I say why? Because I need to know why are you not coming? If I don't know why they're not coming, then I do not try hard enough. I'm not coming. 
Okay. No, it doesn't work like that. You've got to find out why. And usually, if you find out why they are not coming, you can harass them to coming. Like, oh, I'm sick. Well, come to church. You'll get healed. <laughs> oh, everything in my life is crazy. Well, put God first and you'll get a blessing. You know, so I just, I harass them into coming. So that's how we get people. We visit, we call, we work the contact. Simple. Incentives. People think I just drive up in a bus and throw candy out a window and a herd of kids just comes flocking in. That is not what I do. The incentives are more for me than the visitor because I'm intimidated. I get rejection when I'm out there in the world getting those souls. And I can hide behind, oh, would you like this iPhone? Okay, good. Oh, God, now we're best friends. And you're coming to church. Yay. But no, really, the candy, the ponies. Uh, can you put up a picture? All that stuff, all the barbecue, all that stuff is so I'm not scared anymore. I had somebody at the last Christmas revival said, I've been trying to get this person in church for three years, and it finally came. And I thought, it's not because of the pony ride. It's because now you're not scared. You're so excited about that pony ride that you're going to bring them to church. And um, Jesus is awesome, and I am excited about Jesus. But I'll just be telling you, when I walk up to somebody, it's intimidating. It kind of takes all the Jesus away. And <laughs> I need to hide behind the ponies. No, I'm just kidding. But no, really, you should do something fun for people. But it's more for you than it is for the sinner. It really is. The incentives are great, but they don't win souls. And I use them to get my workers eased up. I use them to make everybody to make everybody eased about what they're doing. Because now we got they they feel like they've got something, and it works. All right. So how do I get people then? If it's not the incentive, if I just don't throw a candy out, I get the contact. I work the contact. I visit and I call. Everybody that I have had come to the church, all 4,000 visitors, and I have every one of their contacts. So if you want a question, I got them. But every one of them is somebody I knew personally or somebody else knew personally. So when I brought the first 10 people, I said, hey, you guys got to bring somebody next week. You've got to because you are my only 10 kids. First day of bus ministry, we brought 10 kids. It was kids that I knew from the neighborhood. And, uh, and I lived in Mountain View. And they brought their friends. And their friends brought their friends. And their friends brought their friends. And then I had their contact card, and I went after them. So people multiply people, especially if you get a hot, on-fire, soul-winning teenager. It's awesome. It's awesome. And so that's pretty much, I mean, you, you want, I'm sorry I don't have, like, you know, like, floating clouds to put in your pockets to take home with you, but I just, all I have is phone calls for the return visitor. I make a list of the contact cards, and I just keep bringing people. So I call them every Saturday diligently. The only way I would ever put away a contact is if they don't show up for two months. Then I put it in a box, and then at the revival, when I'm feeling a little bit more gutsy, I will go pull those old contacts out and harass those old contacts. And then I tell those people that are coming, oh, I'm excited. If I notice they're excited, I am telling them how to do what I did. Call them. Oh, I already Facebooked it. No, personal message them. 
Call them, text them, email them, invite them personally for my behalf because I can't do it all, and they do it for me. So I don't have any fluffy clouds. That's all there is to it. And, and then the funnel. I want you guys to remember this. It's like a funnel. Oh, 4,000 people came. Oh, but you only got 100. Well, it's 100. And I'm sorry, but I pour them in. I pour them in. I think of it like a funnel. I pour it in the top, pour it in the top, pour it in the top. And only a little bit comes out. So if I want 10 people to come to church, I ask 100. I do 150 phone calls a week, and I got 100 people coming. If I want five people to come to church, I do 10 phone calls. If I want one person to come to church, I do five phone calls. So this is something you can do if you break it down like that. So if you think of it like a funnel, you do, you go out on the streets and you ask 30 different people to come to church, one of them will. And you will face rejection and it is tough. You know how we got 1,077 people? I started tracking how much invites all my kids was putting out and we did 10,000 invites of people we knew. So 10,000 invites equals 1,000 visitors. That's how it works with us. Some people get better luck. They invite 10 people and 10 people show up, and that's pretty cool. But I'm not like that. So I, I only get a fraction of what I put out. So I always pour it into there. I always pour it in, pour it in. Because then after 1,000 visitors, you get, what, 100 Bible studies, Brother Nelson? And then, then like 10 more of them come to church, and three of them get baptized. It's a funnel. Don't give up. You have to pour into the funnel. If you're not pouring in a lot, you're not going to get nothing. You have not because you ask not. So contact card the visit and then get them to church and then repeat. Contact card, visit them, call them up, get them to church, repeat. Pour into your funnel. Don't give up. I had a lot more to say, but I only, I'm keeping my promise. I got four minutes. Passion, passion, passion. I can't give that to you. You got to get it yourself. I can't sleep at night because there's souls in the city that are dying and going to hell. I can't sleep. There's 11 buses in the city that go out from other churches. That's approximately 550 kids that are getting stole right out from under my nose, and I live right next door to them. And it's because those people have a passion, and I need to have a passion to get souls into church. And submission. You have to have submission in your character. I would not be saved today if it wasn't for my pastor. And he pulled my ear. And I'm crazy. I'm wild. I, I don't know how he got me to this point. But I am so wild. I'm so crazy wild. But, and I'm, I'm saying this because there's a lot of young people that come to me and they're like, I want to preach, but I don't want to clean that bus. And I want to preach, but I don't want to knock that door. And I want to preach and I want to stand in front of everybody and do something. You know where you do something? Cleaning that toilet. You know where you do something? Teaching a Bible study to one person. I just had to say, you got to submit. If your pastor says clean the toilet, you submit. Because I, he gave me the keys and he said do something with it. And it was not what I expected. And I love it. I love it with all my heart. I would give my life for those kids. I would give my life for what I do today. But I didn't expect it. He gave me a keys and I was like, okay, you know. And he just tells me what to do and I just do whatever he says. And that's why I get favor. So if you want to do something for God, you got to have submission. you got to have submission. 
And the last thing, the last thing is hard work. I'm telling you, I, I know you, you uh, I feel bad because this ain't for you older ministers because you guys work your butts off. But <laughs> the hard work, I'm telling you, there are some people, they don't work. They just walk into a job and they're like, I want 20 bucks an hour starting. I want a promotion. That's this day and age. You ain't getting that. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get it. You got to work your butt off to win souls. You got to work your butt off for your pastor. You got to do something. You got to try really hard. There was, there was two years where I was jumping in dumpsters just to fund the bus ministry. Because your church, your churches, they don't got no money. This ain't, this ain't Safeway. They don't got billions of dollars. So I was jumping in dumpsters. But you know what? <laughs> Whatever it takes to live for God and to serve souls and to do work, that's where the ministry's at. In the blood, sweat, and tears, digging the ditches. That's where the ministry's at. You got to work really hard. So do it and never quit. Don't be discouraged by what I said. Use that to your advantage. Don't say, oh, was me. Oh, what was me. I'm working hard. If you're working hard, you're doing it right. Work hard. Work hard and serve souls. Amen. Down in Southern California, <clears throat> we all have heard of a place called Hollywood. And the billions of dollars that come into that place, but everything that comes out of it is so fake. It's so fake. It's not real. They don't live in a real world. But, friend, you got the real deal there. You got the real deal. And Stacy Sprague, amen. I understand there's going to be a youth car wash after this service, Brother Jeff. And it's in Soldatna at Arby's. Okay. Car wash. After driving the roads, we all need our car wash. Amen. Let's go in there and get in a two-mile line and get your car washed. Amen. Praise God. The man I bring to the podium now is not a stranger to me. He was my assistant for 14 years, and we have grown to love and appreciate him. And is it three years this fall, Brother Mendenhall? The desire to go to Sildatna and start a new church? Amen. That's what it's all about. Sister Stacy, it's all about souls. Amen. And he's doing it. I'm proud of him. <clears throat> Brother Mike Mendenhall, pastor of Sildatna Pentecostals.
the boss said, half hour, I start my timer now. Amen. I am so excited to be here with you today. Amen. I give honor to my pastor, uh, Brother Churchill. I give honor to the elders that are here. Um, I want to thank Brother uh, Pastor Blackshear. Um, his vision with North American Missions has been amazing. And he does stuff that you just never hear about, that doesn't get put on the front pages. But he has blessed our church in so many ways. Um, we have new, new chairs in our church, which don't sound like much, but when you get new chairs, my friend, it matters. And, and uh, Brother Blackshear was instrumental in helping us to, to purchase those. And then um, how many people like uh, nice things? How many people like nice things for free? It's the best price. And uh, we got a, a phone call from Brother Blackshear, and uh, he had gotten some buses. And so uh, several of the churches throughout the district were blessed with buses at the best price. So I'm thankful for that. I'm using my time, so I better get to my message. Mark 3, 27, I want to just read a quick scripture to you here. Um, it says, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. And so I've been asked today to talk to you about Bible studies. You may be seated. Um, I've been asked to talk to you about Bible studies. Oh, I forgot. Uh, and what an honor to follow Sister Sprague. The, the Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. So that would make Sister Sprague a genius. If there was anybody that had a Ph.D., that would be her. So I'm honored to follow her. So, but I've been asked to talk to you about, uh, about Bible studies. And uh, I want to tell you that that Bible studies are the foundation of what we are doing in Soldatna to, to gain and keep souls. I have found that they are the most effective thing that we do to keep souls in our church. When we started the church, the very first thing that I did, the very first thing I did was order a bunch of Bible study charts. I got, uh, I got uh, the Search for Truth or, uh, no, I'm sorry, the Light for Living. I, I bought a bunch of Light for Living Bible studies and I handed the Light for Living Bible studies out to every one of our uh, uh, founding families. Um, I gave them out to them so that they would understand and that they all knew that the expectation of being a member of this church is that you teach Bible study. It's an expectation. That's something that if you're going to be a member of the church, you're going to have to teach Bible studies. And so there is an expectation for, for each and every one of us that we all, myself included, teach Bible studies. And so we are currently, in our church, we are currently teaching eight Bible studies per week. So we've, we've taught a lot more over the past two years, two and a half years, we've taught uh, more Bible studies than that. But what we have currently going on in, in, in our church is about eight Bible studies. 
And God has blessed us, and we have seen great results from Bible studies. From the Bible studies, we have had 10 people baptized in Jesus' name, and 11 have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That, we've had a lot more than that, but that's just what has happened from the Bible studies. So the question is, how do we get Bible studies? We get Bible studies two different ways. Close your ear, Sister Stacy. You're not going to like what I have to say. <laughs> I'm, I, you don't have to. Um, visitors. When a visitor comes in, I don't bug them. I don't. I, they sit in the church. I let them enjoy the service. I let them in, in, enjoy the presence of God, the, the singing, the preaching. And, and then w- when they come back again the second time, and I'm just talking about Bible studies, we get their name, we get their stuff, but, but I, I don't bug them. We, we know who they are, but when it comes to Bible studies, the second time that they come in, now we're starting to talk to them about getting a Bible study. The other way that we get Bible studies is we talk to people outside the church. We ask them if they want a Bible study. That is revelatory, I know. I felt the oh, in here from the, that's That's what we do, Okay. So that's the quick answer. That's the quick answer, but that is not the full story. Bible studies, like anything else in the church, don't just happen. There are other things that have to happen before you're ever going to get to the place that you're going to have Bible studies. Bible studies are not a result. Or, or, Bible studies are a result. They are not an action. Bible studies happen because something else makes them happen. Bible studies happen because there's other foundational work that has to transpire before you're ever going to get a Bible study. And so I want to take a moment and I want to go back and I want to tell you how we really get Bible studies, okay? So the first thing I need to do, Sister, Sister Stacy had a lot of pictures. I got one. If we could show my picture. I got to have a picture too. In this picture, there are uh, there are two ladies that are co-workers of my daughter Amanda. They are in a Bible study with my daughter Amanda and Amy, uh, and and this picture really reveals. I know you, you're not going to see much, but I'll explain it here in a minute. But it reveals everything about everything that we're doing to get these Bible studies. Everything about Bible studies in Soldatna is revealed in this picture, and I'll come back to it, and I'll explain it to you in a little bit more. The first thing in getting a Bible study, and you can take the picture down, the first thing in getting a Bible study is you've got to have a passion. I, I can't emphasize that enough. You have got to have a passion. There has got to be something inside of you that is consuming you until the point that you cannot stand it until you're winning souls. You have got to have an all-consuming, all-desiring all passion to reach souls. It, it has to consume you in everything that you do. Winning souls has to be the primary thing in your life. It has to be the primary thing in everything that you do. There can be nothing that is more important to you in any part of what you do or any part of your church or any part of anything. Winning souls has to be the thing that consumes you. 
there were three pillars that God gave me in establishing the church in Soldatna. It is, the first one was that we will always preach the truth of the word of God. We will, the second one is that we will always have the power and the presence of God active in every service. And the last one is that we will always have visitors in every service. Those were the three pillars that God gave me to build this church. This is the vision that God gave me in founding this church. What that means for us is that we're in a constant pursuit of the power and presence of God. That we are in a constant pursuit of visitors. We are in a constant pursuit of having these things active in the church. It's, not, it's non-negotiable for us to go through a church service and have a couple of dead church services. That, that does, that, that's not acceptable for us. That's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable to go through a couple of services and not have visitors. That's not negotiable. That's not something that we can accept as normal. And so... When, when, when we have, and I'm not here to tell you that, that every service is just blowing and going and every service that we have visitors. I'm not here to tell you. We have times where there are no visitors and we have times where it's just dry and, and the power of God is not moving. We have times like that. But, but when that happens, we're looking around and we're saying, what's wrong? Why? Why don't we have a visitor? Where, where, are, where are the visitors? Why, why don't we have a powerful move of God? Because, because it's a foundation of the church. It's not just something that, that we say that it's a good thing to put up on the wall or a good memo. No, this is a foundation. It means it's just like this. If, if we go without preaching the truth of the word of God, that's foundational. It's a foundational that we have to have souls. They're, they're co-equal. We have to have them. What good is it to preach to, to the same saints every day? That, that was not given to us to preach to the same faces. We, we are, we are here to reach the lost. And so, and so we have many times when these things don't happen. But we just cannot accept those things. They're not normal. Lacking souls or lacking a powerful move of God is an indication to us that something is wrong. So when that happens, what do we do? We pray. And we fast. I, I, I wish I had uh, clouds and rainbows and, and, and cotton candy to give you to get past. But no, what do we do when, when the power of God doesn't fall a couple times? When, when we don't have a couple people coming to church and we go through dry spells, we pray and we fast. We pray and we fast. And we pray and we fast constantly. Constantly we're praying and fasting. Can, can I share a secret with you, Brother Blackshear? I like pizza. I, I, I love chocolate chip cookies. I, I love food. I don't like fasting. I'm, I'm being honest with you. That's not something that I like. I don't like fast. But more than I love pizza and more than I love cookies, I cannot stand it if we don't have people in the house of God. I cannot stand it if the power of God does not fall. It eats me up. It, it, it burns a hole in my heart. It, it's just un, It's something that is so detestable. I, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. If, if the power of God doesn't fall, if the power of God doesn't move in the church, it's just, un, I, can't, I can't stand that. It's unacceptable to go without souls. It's just unacceptable. 
and so when when we go through dry spells and 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 I got to looking back at our attendance, brother uh, uh, brother Parrish, and and I looked at from from uh, January 2014 until now, and I looked at the long stretch that we had. We had a long stretch, about six months, and we weren't getting souls and we weren't getting visitors. And my friend, I fasted more than I've ever fasted in my whole life. I I don't like fasting, but it killed me. It killed me. And so we fast as a church, and, and, and we have covered, our, our church has covered this entire year, every day of the week, every day of the week in the entire year except for Sundays. We are in prayer and fasting. Somebody is in prayer and fasting every day of the week except for Sundays in our church. And, and it's because we, we have got to have souls, and we have got to have the power of God. And so we go through, we go through dry spells. And we go through times that it's just not happening. And, and so I, I go on a three-day fast. I, I go on a five-day fast. And I, I hesitate to even tell you that because I don't want any way to, to, to exalt me or any. It has nothing to do that. It's just that there's a passion. There has to be something that drives you. But, but what are we trying to do? You've got to remember there's a focus, there's a reason, there's a purpose behind what we do. And the purpose behind what we do is to reach souls. We're trying to reach people. We want the power of God to fall. Why? Because if that person can just get into the house of God and they can feel the power of God, you got one shot. you got one shot, my friend. And when they walk in the house, they've got to feel the power of God. And it's, and it's such hard work to get them in that, that, that it's got to. And, and so we're, we're trying to reach souls. That is the purpose of what we're trying to do. We're trying to get them in to feel the power of God and, 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 to, and to have the power of God moving. So we are constantly fighting the spiritual forces that are in our city. I know this is happening. I know I'm speaking to pastors, and I know I'm speaking to congregations here today. And I know that you're doing this too. I'm just telling you I was asked to talk about what we do. And so I know we're doing exactly what you're doing. But the purpose is that we're trying to bind the spiritual forces that have blinded the hearts and minds of the people that are in your city. The... You have to do that. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. You, you have to pray. You have to fast. You have to bind those spirits. I, I'm, I'm talking about Bible study. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I know what I'm talking about here, but I'm telling you, until you get it and you bind those spiritual forces, and you, we, we walk through the city, we, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have prayed over the city, you, you have to bind the strong man. You've got to bind the strong man. And so we pray against the spiritual principalities. and We pray against the spiritual authorities. And then we loose upon the city the hunger of God upon the hearts of the people. We loose upon the city that the people would be stirred to know God. And we loose that upon them. And we have found that, that by binding, this is our roadmap. This is what we've done. And, 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 and we have done this for two years now. Every month, every week. Every day, for over two years, this is what we've done. Constantly praying, constantly fasting, constantly binding, constantly loosing. There is a price that has to be paid for souls. 
I'm, I'm here to tell you today, if you think you're just going to go out and get souls just by, by, by walking up to people and asking them if they want a Bible study, and ask them, you're, you're going to get doors shut in your face constantly. If you're going to win souls, there is a price to pay to win souls. There's a price to pay. You have to be hungrier for souls than you are for anything else in your life. And you have to be willing to say, God, whatever you ask of me, whatever the price is, I'll pay it because I want that soul more than I want anything else. And so God has answered us. The power of God has moved in our church. And every time, every time that you are hungry for God, every time that you reach out for God, every time there's a passion in your heart that you just desire God and you're hungry for God, God will never let you down. God will touch you. God will minister to you in your church. Every time that you reach out to Him, the presence of God will fall. And, and God is falling. And God is blessed with an abundance of His presence. And, and God has bound this, the spirits in our cities. And, and families have just walked into our church we we have had families just walk in we get bible studies with them you see when jesus is in the house miracles transpire in the new testament everywhere jesus went when jesus got to that city miracles happened he, he goes wherever he goes where jesus goes miracles happen so in the presence of Jesus, the natural byproduct of the presence of Jesus is miraculous. Do you understand that? When the power of God is in your church and the power of God is moving, the natural byproduct is the miraculous happens. Okay? And so, so God has been healing. We, we have had, just last Sunday we had a lady and she, she was, her, uh, her ankle had been bothering her for so long and it was hurting her to the point that she couldn't walk on it. She, we dismissed the kids to go to uh, Sunday school and I was about to start preaching and she said, Pastor, is it possible at all just to have you pray for me before, before we begin service? I said, no problem. Come on up. We gathered around her and just prayed a simple prayer. I got done praying. The biggest smile came across her face. She said, I just felt Jesus heal me. Now, she's a new convert. She said, my, my, my ankle got very warm and it popped and now it moves and it didn't move before and there's no pain. And I, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Okay. I'm on a timer and I'm hurrying. How much time have I got? Amen. So let's go back to the picture now. I've set the base. Let's go back to the picture. So in the picture, if we get the picture back, in the picture, the lady in the back left is a co-worker of my daughter, Amanda. Amanda had started talking to Julia, the, the lady in the back left, about what was happening, what was going on in our church. She told her about the healings that God had been doing. She told her about the, the things, that, uh, the deliverance that God had done. My, my son-in-law had been, had been addicted to, to dipping. God delivered him in just one service. God completely delivered him from it. I started talking about all of the miracles to Julia. She's, she's telling Julia about all of the miracles that God had done. Well, well God had been working on Julia's heart. I, again, I'm telling you the whole picture here. We're binding spirits. We're praying against things. We're asking God to lead us to the hungry. God's been working on Julia, and Julia is hungry. 
Julia desires. And so Amanda gets to telling her about all of the things that God has been doing. And, and then she asks Julia if she would like to, to, uh, uh, to have a Bible study. And so they, she said yes. They, they, they decided that they were going to have a Bible study. And so uh, after two Bible studies, um, her daughter had a major accident. Julia's da- uh, daughter had a major accident. They've had two Bible studies. My, my, my daughter's told her about all of the miracles God has done. And her, her little girl, Julia's little girl, Lily, was out playing on the playground. She's running around, and she tripped and she fell, and a stick poked her in the eye and pierced her retina. She took her immediately to the doctor. The doctor looked at her and said, she's had a retina pierced. She's blind. That's Thursday. We have church on Thursday. Julia is not a member of our church. She is not coming to our church. She's only heard of the miracles that God has done. Amanda has spoke to her about all of the things that God has done in our church and and all of the miracles that have happened. Now it's time to put up or shut up. She... She brings her little girl to our Thursday service. We, we haven't started service. We've just had prayer before service. She walks into the back of the sanctuary. She says, my daughter has had her eye uh, uh, damaged and she's blind in the eye. Could you guys just pray for my daughter? Yes, we'll pray for your daughter. We all gather around her. We pray for her. We lay hands on her. We pray for her. Her and her daughter leave. They don't even stay for service. They go back home. Before service was over, Julia texts my daughter and says, God has healed my daughter's eyes. She can see. That's Julia on the left. That's Julia on the left. Julia comes back to work. Now, she works with the girl that's on the left in the front, uh, Rochelle. She's working with Rochelle. Julia comes back to work, and she, she tells Rochelle, God healed my daughter's eyes. She was blind. Now, now Rochelle has heard all of the stories. Rochelle has heard. Now, Julia is telling Rochelle of the miracle that God did. And Rochelle is wanting to know more about this. And Rochelle asked, uh, asked uh, Julia and asked Amanda if, if she could join the Bible study. So, so that's the picture that you're looking at right now is Rochelle got, got news that Julia's daughter had, had been healed. She heard all of the stories that Amanda had told uh, Julia about the healings that God had done. And so they both come to church. Now, the next Sunday, Julia comes to church. God fills her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She goes back. She goes back to work that Monday. She tells uh, Rochelle about God filling her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Rochelle says, well, well, what is that? She explains to her the power that she felt and and, and what God had done for her. And then next Sunday, Rochelle shows up. God fills her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we baptize them both at service. That, I'm talking about Bible studies. It, it, it's, it, it, Bible studies are a product of what God does in you and in your church. It starts with a passion, with a hunger and a desire to reach people. It, it, it leads to a passion and a hunger after God that is insatiable, that has to feel his power every time you come to church. And there is a desire inside you that says, I will reach somebody with this gospel. 
and telling people about what, do you realize the power of your testimony? There is so much power in your testimony. When you tell people what Jesus did, it's undeniable because it's not written in a book. It's something that you experience and you can tell them, it happened for me. It happened for my family. It happened in my own life. That's how we get Bible studies. There is none of this that is done by us. There isn't, there isn't a single thing, Brother Patrick, that we do. There is nothing that we do. God gets the glory in every bit of it. Every last, every last second of it, he gets the complete glory. Because all we do is share with them what he's been doing. That's what we do. Bible studies happen because of what God does. One last thing. You'll see my daughter Amy in the front right. She is in the Bible study. We never, never let somebody, or we try to never let somebody teach a Bible study alone. So Amanda started the Bible study. Amanda learned how to teach the Bible study because she sat in Bible studies with my wife. My wife would be teaching Bible studies to somebody. Amanda would come to the Bible study and sit in that Bible study and listen to my wife teaching the Bible study and learn how my wife taught the Bible study. Then after four or five Bible studies, my wife would move out of the teacher's chair and put Amanda in the chair and would be there to help and to coach as Amanda taught the Bible study so that she could learn how to do the Bible study. So Amanda now takes on her own Bible study and she gets my daughter Amy. And Amy sits in the Bible studies and she listens to Amanda teaching the Bible study. Here's how Amanda goes about teaching the Bible study. And then after four or five Bible studies, they change places. And now Amy is teaching the Bible study. You have to constantly be coaching people on how to teach Bible studies. And I'm, I'm, I'm out of time, so I'm going to finish with this. Do you realize what we have? Do you realize that, that what we have is the only thing that, that is being off. I, I'm talking Bible study. Let, let's just stick with Bible study. There is not one other church in our entire city that offers any Bible study to anybody at all. Nobody. You, you go to the Jehovah Witnesses, you go to the Mormons, and they'll sit down and they'll talk to you, but not out of the Bible. I'm talking Bible study. The Baptists don't do it. The Episcopalians don't do it. The Catholics don't do it. Nobody teaches Bible study. So it is a wide open field. It is a wide open field. Nobody does it. Nobody does it. And do you understand the depth of the hunger that is in the hearts of people for the Word of God? When you sit down in a Bible study with somebody and you begin to teach them, there is something that, does, that, that goes beyond what happens to them. It's what happens to you as well. It's, there's a power that is released because... When you sit there, when you sit there and you teach somebody the oneness of the Godhead, and for the first time they sit there and the revelation comes on in their eyes and you can see it in their eyes that there is one God. There is one God. When you show them and, and they look, I was, I was sitting in, my, in, in the church and I was talking with this family. We've got a Russian family that came in. They, they grew up in traditional uh, Trinitarianism and I was talking to, the, to, to them and, and I was talking to them about the, uh, about the oneness. And, and the wife was, was uh, asking so many questions. I kept telling her, the Son of God is the flesh. It is not the Spirit that dwells inside them. And I explained that to them enough times that when she came back around to asking the same question she'd asked at the beginning. Her husband looked at her and said, no, no, that's the flesh. 
Revelation. There is such power in Revelation. And, and when you teach a Bible study and you watch that person receive the gospel and the light comes on, it is so addicting. It is so addicting. People, people are hungry. Brother Rathbun, every Bible study that we've taught, the person that we've taught has looked at us and said, you know, we are in, we're in the, the third or fourth Bible study. We're still in Genesis. And they look at us and they say, we have learned more in these Bible studies than in the years that I've sat in my church. They don't know, but they're hungry to know. If you'll tell them, they'll receive it. If you'll tell them, they'll receive it. Amen. My alarm is off and I am out of time. God bless you. How do we get Bible studies? It starts with a passion for souls that causes you to pray and to fast like you've never prayed and fast before. It causes you to get out of your comfort zone. It causes you to seek the power and presence of God. Witness and testify of what God is doing in your life and in your church. And you'll watch people. You'll watch people. They have no hope. But when you tell them about what Jesus can do, there's hope. There's hope. God bless you. Brother, Brother Mendenhall, come back. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Go get two chairs. I'm still his pastor. Now, sit thou on my right hand till I, no. Amen. We've heard some good stuff here. <laughs> Did you see that? I pinched him and he grimaced. He's not any different than anybody else. He's not Joseph Smith. These are just these are just normal everyday glasses. I will not pinch her cuz I don't want to pick myself up off the floor. But these these are two real people living in a real world meeting people like you meet every day. They don't go out and canvas an area and say, you know, and, and we know there are some services and they've got plants all over, you know. Amen. No. So what, what they are accomplishing, we can all accomplish. Amen. And, and 30 minutes really doesn't do it. But we've got a little time. I'm just wondering if anybody has a question Amen for either of these today. 
Anybody have, anybody just want to, uh, or the parish? Thank you, sir. I did want to mention here today, these, uh, these people are just like all the rest of us, you know. Uh, each of them have their own way. Sister Stacy Sprague has the way she does things. By his own admission, <laughs> Brother Mendenhall does things another way. But they both get the job done. There is, however, one common denominator among both of them. Somebody tell me what it is. Passion. She said you got to have the want to. That's the thing that motivates both of them. A program is merely a program, and it won't work until a person makes a program work. But any program will work if somebody will take responsibility for the program and make it work. Was it Sister Stacy said that passion is something she couldn't give us? I don't know if that's completely true because I really believe by us bringing people like this up here in front of us, it helps our passion to grow. It births a passion on the inside of us. And I'm hoping and praying that that's exactly what will happen here today. And I would like to ask all of you right now to stand with us. Sister Sprague, Brother Mendenhall, I want you to stretch your hands out toward this congregation, and I want you to pray for this congregation. And I'd like for every one of us that's in this building today to pray for yourself and say, God, birth a passion in me for your kingdom. Birth a passion in me, Lord, to be a soul winner. Give me the want to, God. Help me to be a tool in your hands what you want me to be. Now, would you pray? Dear Lord, we need you today. We need an overshadowing of your spirit, God. We need an overshadowing of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that we could give forth miraculous birth to souls, God. Touch us and use us, Lord, for your glory. Lead us with your spirit, God. God, touch in me and make me what you want me to be, God. Touch my mind. Touch my heart. Help me, Lord, to be a soul winner, God. Help me to have a burden for the lost. Lord, touch me and make me what you want me to be. Lord, help me, oh God. Touch me, Lord. Help me as a pastor, Lord, to pastor the way you want me to pastor. Help me, Lord, to lead people to a closer walk with you. Help us, oh God, to serve the purpose that you put us in this kingdom for. God, would you touch us that we could grow up and mature in the spirit, Lord, and bring forth spiritual children, God. Touch us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Touch us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Touch us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I really don't want to do anything else in this service to distract or take away 
from all of these golden nuggets that we've heard today from both of these speakers and the feeling that we're feeling right now. So if you need to be dismissed, you are dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you today.